0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you as always. And today, guys, it is finally time to preview a game for this upcoming season. It has been so long, and the last time that we were doing these, it wasn't, it wasn't working out great. We were trying to figure out how Carolina could break a losing streak that unfortunately would prevent them from having a 10-win season. But now the slate is clean. Carolina's starting a new year here in 2023. But it is an important one, and we are going to talk about that here today. We're going to preview the game against South Carolina also got uh, an interview with uh, someone that knows South Carolina very, very well uh, and someone that I'm glad I can call a friend. She covers South Carolina for Gamecock Central and on three sports, Kendall Smith. uh, She will break down the Gamecocks a little bit more for us, give uh, a little bit more of an insider look to them. And that's something I'm, going to be trying to do throughout the year with the opposing teams, somebody that knows them a little bit better than we do that can help us sort of get to know the opponent a little bit like that. Of course, We'll get into the Tar storylines in the game, the keys to the game, and of course at the end we will give our predictions. We'll also give you our record predictions for the season at the very end as well uh, as we take our final shots at uh, trying to predict this season for Carolina. But first, we do want to provide you with the update that was given today on Tez Walker. And it's pretty much, guys, it's pretty much where we've been at. Uh, Tariel Illustrated was the first one that had it earlier today. Uh, They had talked to sources inside the program, uh, and they said that no decision has been made, but there has been some communication. So that's a step in the right direction for Carolina. Uh, We heard from Mac Brown when he was talking with the press earlier this week on Monday, he said, look, we haven't had any contact with them. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, This is a a process where they don't really communicate with you until they're about to make a decision. So hopefully that means uh, that it's – pretty close. I don't know at this point. Um but you know it's it's getting a, it's getting pretty close here. They got to make a decision here soon. Um, the article that I wrote the other day, uh you know, Hawaii, their defensive lineman John uh Tuli Atopo he did not receive his uh, clearance to play. Now, his was for an extra year. It wasn't for a transfer. He was there last year. But for the extra year, he did not get cleared until the night before their game against Vanderbilt. So maybe that means there could be good news tomorrow on the horizon. Uh, not sure about that. We'll have to kind of wait and see. But uh, hopefully there is something that, at this point, I think it's just Carolina needs the closure. If they're going to say he can't play this year, just tell him that he can't play, and let's move along. Quit stringing the kid along and thinking that there's a chance that he can actually play. Um, if he is going to play, then what the hell are we waiting for? Let's make the decision, let's allow him to get prepared, and let's do this thing. Um, now, Mac Brown, Bubba Cunningham, they are not the guys that are handling this. UNC's compliance office is handling this. So that's the reason why we don't have really any inside information because even with communication being made right now, it is not direct communication between Mac Brown or Bubba Cunningham and the NCAA. Um, so, yeah, going in, it, it's. Up in the air. He's another one that's, I guess, I mean, what are they going to list him as for this game? Like, when I write the preview and put it up on the website, what do I list him as, Josh Marlowe?
2: Uh, I mean, I guess— Game time decision? I guess, (laughs) you know, technically he's a game time decision. (laughs) Theoretically, he's a NCAA decision. If the NCAA deems him eligible to play, I think he'll be on the field. If if we don't have a resolution to this uh, this problem, um, then he won't play, and you know, Carolina is going to be lesser for it. So, it's it's really just you know at, at 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 a time of the year where we're all celebrating the return of college football. You know, look at the magnitude of this game. Game day is in town for Charlotte. It's a 7-30 kick. It's on ABC, so your national, your national uh, spotlight game, the opening weekend of the year. Like, this is going to be a dominating story. And it's just an- another example um, of just the cowardness that exists within the NCAA in 2023.
0: I mean, I think it's uh, – is it cowardness or is it just downright stupidity at this point? The fact that we, we heard Mac, uh, well, I am th- I think it was Monday was when he said it. Yeah, he's, he's, it was Monday's presser where he said that they're basically still trying to process all the information. I mean, you should be able to process. We as fans could sit and process the information in the case that he had in 20 minutes. So what all are you processing? I'm not understanding what what they're waiting on. The guy is enrolled in school there. He has been practicing with the team. Like all of that is done. I, I don't th- this makes no sense to me. But it's like I said, make a decision. If he's not going to play, then hey, we at least know that. He at least knows that. Like by the way, one of the things that that somebody pointed out, his family has tickets to the game. Yep. Why the hell are they going to want to go and watch a game that he's not playing in? they're going to watch him stand on the sidelines so like you're going to make his family waste all that money to not see him play because i and i don't know how you feel on this i i don't think they're going to make the decision by saturday i think they're going to drag this thing out and i i mean i don't know how long it could possibly take
2: oh yeah no i mean i've come i mean once this thing wasn't resolved within the first week of uh, of it being made public my belief that this would be resolved by the opener went out the window. Um, and maybe you would just say that I'm a negative, pessimistic human being, which in a well, lot we of, do, we do. In a lot of ways, I am. But think about when this first came public; just the amount of negative feedback this situation uh drew, and they didn't think, you know, what we we need to make this situation right. No, we're we're now. Roughly forty-eight hours away from kick at the time of recording, and this kid still isn't eligible. So i I don't believe when Carolina walks on the field at seven thirty, he'll be he'll be in a in, in a uniform with a, with a helmet and shoulder pads. And as you said, that could
0: certainly be a big blow for a Tar Heel team that is looking to open the season with a big win, exact a little revenge from twenty twenty one. But at the same time, just get themselves off to You know a a a good start again this year. They did that last year. They did what they had to do early in the year last year. First ten games of the season, Carolina was a good football team. The problem was they faded down the stretch. And now, you know, they enter this game as hard. You know, as hard as it is to to try to remember to you know what happened at the end of last season, Carolina enters this game off. You know, they're they're coming in on a four-game losing streak. So. They have to find a way to put that behind them but learn from what happened late last year and find a way to pull out a big victory over a team that, and I get it, a lot of people have said, you know, Mac Brown was trying to play the underdog card and everything like that. Oh, you know, this is a Toriel team that's ranked. Guys, which program right now feels better about the direction that they're going in? It's South Carolina. Like, nobody's going to answer North Carolina. If they do, they're lying to you. So there, there, there's a lot of excitement around this Gamecock football program right now, and Carolina is going to have to find a way to overcome that, overcome what will probably be a pro Gamecock environment, and... Pull out a big victory now. The Tar are three and one in season openers under Mac Brown. Their only loss, of course, coming back in that 2021 season opener to the Virginia Tech Hokies on the road. Mac Brown two and four all time against South Carolina, so not a great record. Although um, since coming back, one and one, and uh, he is two and one in his his, his last three. Um, so you know you're hoping that Carolina. Uh, you know, can, can feed off of some of the things. Hopefully Mac Brown can sort of, you know, dig deep and, and go back to some of those things that worked out so well for him back in the 2019 opener in this game. Uh, but this is, there's, there's no way around this. This is a tough task. And really, even though they're not a ranked team, Carolina doesn't have really any ranked teams on the schedule outside of Clemson. I think you can make the case. This is the second toughest game Carolina plays all year.
2: Oh, I, I to me it's not it's not hard to even make the case. Um, South Carolina is is a program that's got legitimate momentum, despite playing in a conference in a division that has the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, Tennessee last year. You know, returned to the national scene with a win in the Orange Bowl. What Shane Beamer is doing in Columbia is being noticed. You don't beat back-to-back top-10 opponents by accident, like they did last year when they beat Tennessee and Clemson to, to, in the regular season. They took Notre Dame to the wire in a classic bowl game, um, and even though it was a loss, it, it, it further just cemented that this is a program that is as in good a standing as it's been since the height of the Steve Spurrier era. Um, and that's and that's that's what Beamer has done. He's getting the talent. It back in Columbia, um, because there's always there's always excitement and there's always expectation for a program that has generally not won anything, and it's a hundred plus years. They've never won an SEC title, never won a national championship. You know, they they have a rabid fan base that they care and they're passionate. I grew up an hour away from Columbia. I, I saw up close and personal how important this stuff is. You mentioned it. it's going to be a pro game gamecock crowd on Saturday. Um, it'll be like that at game day, and it'll be like that in the game despite them not being ranked and with them not having um, the best quarterback on the field. But this this game, I I, I really do think is it's not the same as Virginia Tech two years ago, but it serves, I think, almost the same type of purpose where if you win, it's a great launching point. It's a great way to come out of the gate with legitimate momentum. Not many teams will get that opportunity this week. Because they're not playing this game of magnitude. Um, so if, if, if Carolina wins this game, and you look at the teams on their schedule, they'll be favored going in every game forward. There's a legitimate chance they could go to Death Valley, ten and zero. Heck, maybe even nine and one. But if you lose, that now becomes five straight losses dating back to last season. It's another big moment under Mac Brown where you come up short, the criticism will be out, and the doubt will start to creep back in. And so I, I think Caroline's going to have their handful uh, definitely on the field, but but I think, I think this game mentally, I, I think there's a lot that weighs, both positively and negatively, depending on that result on Saturday. So I had this one under the storylines, but I
0: think we should probably touch on it right now. I mean... If they lose this game, so you're you're thinking this could be this probably sets them off on a 2021
2: type season. I mean, I I don't think I don't know if it would get as bad to where Carolina's you know six and six, and you're getting blown out by the likes of Georgia Tech. But you know, remember that Virginia Tech game, standalone game on a Friday night, six o'clock. Everybody in the country was was watching that game. This one Saturday night. It's the game day game. It's on ABC. So a lot of people are going to be watching that game. And there's always been the criticism about Mac Brown coming up small in big moments. This is a big moment for Tar Heel football. It's not many years you get to open up the year in prime time. This is the first time since 2010 they've opened the season out on a game day site when they played LSU on a neutral site. And and then so if Carolina comes up small. Then all the, the the naysayers and all the doubt that that, that does exist with people with the, when it comes to this program, you will hear about it all week long going into the App State game. So I don't I think they're 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 too good to go as bad as it was in 2021. But I, I think if they lose this game, it might be a little bit harder. Even though it's not an ACC game, it might be harder than it is right now to envision this team getting back to Charlotte.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I think that's certainly possible. I will say this, I don't think it will get anywhere near as bad and I don't think that it's a loss depending on what the loss looks like. Look, if you if if they blow you out like they did in the bowl game back in 2021, okay, then we've got problems. Then then you have to have a serious conversation. If this offense comes out and just looks putrid like they did in that game against Virginia Tech back in 21, then you have to say, okay, how concerned are we? What is this team going to look like? I think if the, if, if the Tar Heels lose this game, but it's competitive, you see some of the things that you want to see, but it just doesn't break their their way, I think they've got guys that went through that a few years ago that are leaders on this team that are not going to let that happen again. I think there's a decent amount of confidence in the mindset of this team. I think that 2021 team... I think that that was a group that when they lost that game early in the season and got knocked off their pedestal that they were on, I just don't think they knew how to recover. Because remember, the year before, even though they lost four games, there was a ton of praise for them. Just getting to the Orange Bowl losing a, you know, a hard-fought game against an AN team that was really, really good. You were without some of your top players. They, they got a lot of credit. They were feeling themselves. Mac Brown has mentioned that multiple times when talking about that 21 squad. This one, it's a little bit different. I think there is a chip on these guys' shoulders, and people will be like, well, they won nine games. Are you sure? Yeah, they won nine games, but they lost four straight at the end of the year. And, I mean, you could say that, oh, well, Carolina's ranked to begin the season. Guys, no one was talking about this team. Like, everybody knows that this team lost four straight at the end of last year. That's all anybody's talking about. Nobody's talking about the fact that Carolina won nine games a year ago. And they shouldn't be because the more important thing is that you finished as badly as you did. So, I think there's going to be motivation for this game. There's no doubt about it, but... Hey, they're facing a really, really good Game Cox team on the other side. Um, eight and five, four and four last year, but do not let that record fool you. This was a team that finished the season about as well as you could have hoped for. Huge upsets against Tennessee. Then they go on the road and pull the upset against Clemson. And I get it, DJU was their starting quarterback, but still, that was a massive win for South Carolina, a team that had just, I mean, not even struggled against or struggled to beat Clemson. They had been blown out just about any time they had played them here recently. So the fact that they were able to get over that hump, the the bowl game against Notre Dame didn't go great, but their offense still looked really good. That's the thing that they are hoping to build off of coming into this year. And the strength of this team is their offense. 32.3 points per game last season. Now, they weren't a team that put up a ton of yards. Part of that is because of their running game, which averaged just 118.8 a year ago. And this year, I don't know know how much different it's going to be. Their running game is probably their biggest question mark, maybe on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's that in their offensive line. Uh, They're starting a guy that terrorized Carolina the last time they played him while he was at quarterback to carry on Joyner. Uh, He is going to be the starter there. This is, by the way, the third different position that he's played at South Carolina that he started at, which is just unbelievable to believe. But – uh he he is going to be the starting running back there this year with Juju McDowell as the guy that'll rotate in behind him. That's an area where South Carolina probably doesn't feel overly confident in that group. The offensive line, very similar to, you know, Carolina's offensive line, there are a lot of question marks there, a lot of newness there. Uh they, you know, have Two guys uh, battling at at both uh, the left and right tackle spot uh, with the guys that are penciled in as the starters right now. So there's a lot of questions about what that unit is going to look like heading into the game. So those are the areas that you can probably attack if you're Carolina. Their passing game, though, set to be one of the better ones probably in the SEC and maybe even all of the country Spencer Radler comes in after a great finish to last year he was outstanding in all three of those games that I talked about at the end of the season he had a really nice preseason according to the folks up there um he, he basically I mean they, I think they said he threw like three interceptions the entire the entirety of Fall camp and look that might be exaggerating things a little bit but still um, everybody thinks that he is set to build off of that Juice well started wide receiver. Had a huge year a year ago. This is going to be the guy that Carolina is going to be focused on the most. 68 catches, 929 yards. And six touchdowns. Um, He's he's a matchup nightmare for Carolina on the outside because he can just do so many different things. Uh, He is a guy that has been slowed with a lower body injury, has missed some time in fall camp, and here as they've been getting ready for the game against Carolina. But uh, he is expected to play now. How? close he'll be to 100%. Who really knows? Uh, The wide receiving group, not great. None of them had over 200 yards receiving a year ago outside of Juice Wells that are returning, but that's still a group that is young. A lot of people feel confident that guys can take steps forward this year, uh, much like the Tariel room. And then at the tight end position, Trey Knox, the transfer from Arkansas, comes in with the new offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins. A lot of people think he'll be able to have an impact, especially in the red zone, uh, and that's somebody that they think will factor in, especially early in the season, and this game in particular on Saturday. But again, as I mentioned there, they do have a new offensive coordinator, just like Carolina, it's going to be really interesting to see what they look like on the offensive side of the ball especially after the amount of backlash that they originally received for the hire of Dow Loggins.
2: Yeah, you know, I I think it was almost kind of like Shane Beamer had to do the same thing that that Mac Brown had to do when he made his offensive coordinator hire. He had to defend it and he had to justify it because it was it was very criticized by those in Gamecock country. And it was very underwhelming, kind of like how we felt at the time about the Chip Lindsey hire when he got the 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 the, the coordinator position um, here at Carolina. You know, the thing is, is that I think Spencer Rattler. I'm of the, the opinion that the guy you saw in the upset wins over Clemson and Tennessee, and the guy that that continued to to, to play well against Notre Dame. I think that's who he is. Um and if that's if that's the guy that he is on Saturday night, Carolina's in for a game because I, I think he's he's a gamer. Um and, and look you you got dudes like you know, Juice Wells is is a you know guy that you mentioned is coming in. Um having dealt with a lower body injury, but is a is a is a is a big time player. You've got guys in the backfield that, you know, on paper might not scare you, but Carolina's run defense has yet to prove they can stop the run. Well, so, it's the,
0: yeah, it's the battle of the
2: weaknesses. So seriously. you know it, it it might not be you know the, the, those guys could have career games because if Carolina hasn't been able to to improve in the run game, you know that, then those guys that they that they can use. You also got to account for Spencer Rattler's legs in the game as well. And so you know I I, I think the thing about this is this is this offense going to be one of the best in the SEC or one of the best in the country? Probably not. Um, but I think it's a really good first oh, test for. I, where, I disagree with you on that. I think they have a chance to be
0: really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, with, if, with Radler, I, if, if he's the guy that he was at the end of last year, I really like. Yeah, but like when you think of best offices in the SEC, you're gonna think you're gonna go Tennessee. You're gonna still think LSU, Bama. Uh, I think oh, it, I think I disagree with that one. I think Georgia's in that same fold where they're I, d- yes, so Too much talent. You know, like you know, they might have maybe best case the fifth or sixth best offense in the conference, but this is still a really good test for Carolina coming out of the gate. Like Mac Brown and Gene Shizik, um, they have really preached that they that they've improved defensively and that they're going to be better defensively. <laughs> And Tar Heel fans should refuse to believe that until they see it on the field. Well, you're going to find that on you're going to find out on Saturday if this if this defense has taken a step forward to becoming average because you're playing an above average offense. And so, I think that's the thing. What you got to like about this matchup is. As much as any, you know, uh, around the country, Carolina's going to find out a lot about its question marks, and you know, South Carolina on the same flip side, they've, you know, they've 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 got some really nice things too, and so I think it's why more so than it being the game day game, this is, in my opinion, outside of the game you got Sunday night, and depending on what you get in the Duke uh, Clemson game on Monday night. This is the most intriguing matchup of week one.
0: Yeah, well, and you look at the Gamecock defense going up against Carolina's offense. You know, there's questions about this Gamecock defense. Now, they've got a lot of guys that played... Pretty significant snaps a year ago that are back for them, but they're guys that I think a lot of people want to see more from. Their defensive line uh, is a group that you know wasn't exactly raved about a year ago, but they've still got some talented guys. Taka Hemingway on the interior is probably the guy that you're watching the most and you think could probably have the biggest impact in there after he had eight tackles for loss, four sacks a year ago. Um, their, their biggest concern is their linebackers. And it's the exact same concern that the Tar Heels have is, can they stop the run? Because they were they were horrible at stopping the run last year. I mean, Carolina was not great. South Carolina was even worse. I mean, they allowed 198 yards rushing on the ground a year ago. Um, so, I, I mean, I think... That's the biggest thing. A lot of people are wondering, you know, can Carolina uh, run the football on them? And I think that's that's going to be uh, a, a challenge that Carolina needs to be up to. And that that's that we'll we'll talk about that here in the keys to the game. But it's not a loaded group there. You know, they've got a lot of young guys. Stone Blanton in the middle at, at Mike linebacker, and then Debo Williams, uh, who's their other starter. You know, those are guys that there are question marks about. Um, And then you look at, you know, the defensive backfield. They lost their two starters there from a year ago, guys that were very highly regarded uh, in Cam Smith and Darius Rush, both guys who were drafted in the NFL draft this past April but still you got Marcella style back there three interceptions led the team 12 pass deflections a year ago so a guy that they really trust as a cover corner you got O'Donnell Fortune uh who who I think you know two interceptions a year ago uh I I think he's probably the less trusted guy there only played in nine games uh wasn't a full-time starter so there's definitely some questions back there when you lose two guys that get drafted especially you know a guy like Cam Smith who is as highly regarded as he was it's never easy to replace those guys but then you look at their safety tandem DQ Smith uh, who's you know had a pretty successful year a year ago it wasn't mind blowing but still he too pulled down two interceptions created turnovers a year ago their guy, the one that everybody's talked about really this offseason, and even once he took over as a starter last year when he came in in the game against uh, Georgia, Nick uh, Emanwari is – Probably their top defensive player, Uh, eighty-five total tackles a year ago to lead the team out of that safety spot. So he's a guy that they're hoping can come down and help stop the run. But you know, this is a defense that's got you know some questions about them as well. They allowed twenty-eight point eight points per game a year ago. Uh, As I mentioned, that run defense isn't great, and they did allow over four hundred yards of total offenses uh, of total offense to opposing teams. I I think this is a unit that when you sort of match them up with Carolina, you should feel confident. You should feel confident going into this game that Drake May and this Tar Heel offense can have some success against them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this this is an opponent that is formidable for Carolina, breaking in a new offense, maybe without having their best wide receiver in Tez Walker, where you still feel confident and comfortable thinking this offense is going to put up you know, 24, 28 points, which you're going to have to score, you know, that amount to, to really give yourself a a, a a great chance to win. And kind of like I was talking about on the, how South Carolina's offense is going to get you the opportunity to learn about this defense. I think we're going to learn a lot about Carolina's offense in this game. You know, the, the the rushing numbers from a year ago would make you believe that Carolina should be able to control the line of scrimmage and run the ball and, 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 and keep – This offense and manageable down in distances. And, look, Mac Brown, the way he's talked about wanting to run the ball has been very uh, forward to make you almost believe that Phil Longo had no interest in wanting to run the ball if you just kind of read between the lines and kind of hear the message the way that it's being you know conveyed, we know Chip Lindsey wants to run the ball. I mean, that's his MO. You look at the offenses that he's coordinated, the systems that he that he's came from. It's been a run-first offense, which Phil Longas was at heart as well. Um, and, and, and so I think Carolina's got a defense to where they're going to be able, I think, to move the ball up and down the field, but you're also going up against SEC dudes. The, there, you know, they're a different breed, um, and so this will be a good test for this offensive line. You know, if they come out and you can push around SEC guys. It should get some confidence, some could could get some belief in that room. But you know, this was also a group that got pushed around by Georgia Tech at the end of the the in the second half last year, and so we're 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 going to figure it out as as the game moves along. But you know, of all the defenses you could face week one from a Power Five opponent. I think, you know, South Carolina's not a bad one to kind of go out there and figure out what type of offense you're going to be in 23.
0: Yeah, I mean, outside, like, you look at your first four games, I mean, this might be the, the second-worst defense you play. Like, I I know hearing from Sean Clark, who has come on WFNZ multiple times here this offseason, he said that they're looking to be better defensively. I think South Carolina is a better team than them defensively. But Carolina, I mean, they've got to play. Minnesota, who's going to be uh, have a formidable defense. Hell, they play in the Big Ten. They have no choice. And Pittsburgh, who we know has had a really good defense for years, I don't expect that to change. So, yeah, you're right. I think out of those first four games, you know, this is a chance for Carolina's offense to settle in and get in rhythm. And I think it's important that they do that. But – the thing about this South Carolina defense is there are some holes. There's no question about that, but they've got some talent. If Carolina's you know def- offensive line struggles and that defensive line can get home, it, it wouldn't stun me. There is talent up there. It's just like Carolina's defensive line. There are guys that have been waiting to break out, or that fans at least have been waiting to see break out, and it just hasn't happened. You're hoping that you can make sure that's not this game for that defensive front. The bigger concern is the ability of this Gamecock team to force turnovers. Last year, very successful at doing that. I mean, the interceptions a year ago, I I mean, they were one of the better ones in the country at – I mean, they averaged over one a game a year ago. So I think this is a team that's very opportunistic on that side of the ball because they, you know, like Carolina at times, they're making up for not having, you know, the, the, or for having the, a porous group. So I think that you know, Carolina's gotta they they have to attack this team, but you know, also they've gotta make sure that they are taking care of the football. So what that looks like, I mean, we'll talk about that here coming up, but uh, for you know, we're gonna we're gonna go and, and and talk to someone that has a little bit more insight on the South Carolina Gamecocks she covers them for Gamecock Central which is the site that uh, covers the Gamecocks for on three sports and uh, Kendall Smith she stopped by with us earlier this week to talk about the Gamecocks and we had to start by asking her about the environment around this team is this the best environment that they have had around them since Steve Spurrier was on campus
1: Obviously, I'm biased to Shane Beamer, but he is a breath of fresh air on the college football scene. Love South Carolina, hate South Carolina. I don't care. Shane Beamer brings something new to the table. And the excitement that South Carolina fans are feeling right now is, like you said, something they haven't experienced in a long time, all the way back to the Spurrier era. And, you know, it's so good for the team to have this enthusiasm and this energy from the fan base because there have been times where the South Carolina fan base has been low. They've been down. It's hard for them in some ways to get behind a team that they feel like isn't going to achieve anything, but The hopes for this team are as high as they've been in such a long time. You've got Spencer Rattler at the helm. He finished off last year in such an incredible fashion. So people are feeling very optimistic about that. We got a lot of guys back. We have some really talented freshmen, five-star recruit coming in this year, Nicholas Harbor, who's going to play in the game on Saturday. South Carolina just got another five-star recruit in the class of 2024 a couple weeks ago. So yes, people love Shane Beamer. South Carolina is excited and I was there a couple of weeks ago at a kickoff party. I was hosting it. We've had this kickoff party. Of course party. you were. <laughs> I had to work, right? Like I couldn't not <laughs> work when I went. But I went to this kickoff party this year. I've gone the last three years because this was the third annual party. Every year it gets bigger. It gets better. The fan base shows out more. Shane Beamer comes to this. He talks to the fans. They're so excited. And as a student and an alumni, it makes me excited because – Although there are high hopes, you know, we got to we got to make sure we stay realistic about it, too. Right. So we'll see how this weekend goes. It's a huge test. We know UNC is really, really good. We know Drake May is the real deal, but the fans are ready to go. And and hopefully they'll uh, they'll get to experience that excitement throughout the season. Hopefully it's not just a preseason thing.
0: Well, one of the guys that's giving them a lot of hope for this year, and you mentioned it, the way that Spencer Radler finished last season, a lot of people are really confident that he can sort of be that guy or or at least close to the guy that we thought he could be coming out of high school at Oklahoma. You know what does the next step look for look like for him? Is it just making what he did at the end of the year last year more consistent, or you know is there something else that you think he has to be able to do uh, to be able to lead this this Gamecocks team that kind of needs him with, with the running game? That's a bit of a question mark.
1: Well, I think there are two things for Spencer this year. I think the first thing is just having a playbook that suits him better. And now South Carolina has a new offensive coordinator in Dowell Loggins. And from what I've heard, this playbook is much better for what Spencer is able to do. It really accentuates his talents. So I think it's taking that next step in the passing game. I think it's, you know, consistency, like you talked about, it's capitalizing on the opportunities it's building on what he did last year, but Yeah, I mean, the run game for South Carolina is a bit of a question mark. The running back room isn't super, super deep. You don't really have a guy there where you're like, wow, that's like our star. That's our number one guy. So I think it's adjusting to this playbook, adjusting to the play calling of Dowell Loggins. It seems like that's gone really well so far based on what I've heard from preseason camp and practices And then I think the other thing for Spencer is just stepping into a little bit more of a leadership role. I would say he definitely did that last season, but it maybe wasn't as vocal. And he's talked about this before. Like, I didn't want to come in to the program as a transfer and just take over and act like I owned the place. I wanted to gain the respect of my teammates. I wanted to make sure that it was a problem. And I think he's gotten to that point this season where he is that guy. He is the leader on this team and he's a vocal leader on this team it's not just by his actions and just by example so it's those two things I think that are the next step for Spencer it's really playing in an offense that accentuates his abilities and then it's also being that guy that people can look to because you know this year South Carolina is going to have those situations where they're like oh god you know we're down we're in the fourth quarter there's two minutes left what are we doing and Spencer is hopefully going to be that guy that the team looks to
0: yeah, especially I mean the the schedule early in the year for for South Carolina is just brutal. I mean I could not believe it when I was looking the other day. The first month of the year, uh, three ranked opponents, including uh, a, a trip to yeah. Georgia, uh, which every is every
1: year. Every year, it never gets better.
0: Well, you know what though, we did have somebody on our text line on the Mac and Bone show earlier today here on on WFNZ on the airwaves. Uh, he sent in a text and said that uh, you guys are going to beat Georgia. Georgia has no quarterback. So um, oh.
1: I mean, yeah, I appreciate when the you talk about
0: confidence, when you talk about confidence, we have some that are really feeling it here. I
1: mean, I appreciate the positivity, but I don't know if I can sit here and confidently say that I think South Carolina is going to beat Georgia. They might. That's why you play the game. You never know. We haven't even nope. seen them play yet this season, but that is a big prediction <laughs> right now.
0: Well, look if if they're you know if they are gonna beat you know Carolina or uh, I was I knew I was gonna do this and you're gonna get mad yes, at me. If they're yes, gonna beat yes, the Tar yes. Heels uh, on uh, on on Saturday. You know one of the guys that's gonna be big is, is Juice Wells and you know yes. he's kind of been you know going through some stuff. Uh, we heard you know Shane Beamer early in the week say hey he is gonna play. Um, but I, I mean you you still look at him and and think if he's out there, even if he's not a hundred percent, I mean, this guy last year was one of the best receivers in the toughest conference in the country. Um, You know, the other receivers now that's, that's an area that's probably a bit questionable, but I I think, you know, that that's one of the things that for the Toriels, they're, they're going to have to find a way to take him away because he really is just that good of a player, isn't he?
1: He is really, really good. Very underrated. I know last year he started to get more attention for what he did, and rightfully so, because Juice was phenomenal. And I expect the same thing this year. He's one of those guys that could have gone into the draft, he could have gone to the NFL, and he didn't. He chose to stay at South Carolina, as did Spencer Rattler. I think both wise decisions from both of them. I think another year in the system, another year at the college level to continue to bolster those stats will be really good for them. But Juice has been fantastic. I will say, though, you mentioned some question marks at receiver. Nick Harbour right now, number two on the depth chart for South Carolina wide receiver. He's going to get some plays. He's going to get some snaps. He's that five star I was talking about a little bit earlier in our conversation. He committed to South Carolina back in February. This guy is Olympic level talent when it comes to track and field. So he's at South Carolina playing football. He's also going to run track he is so fast, so big. I was around him the other day. I'm like, you're 18 years old and (laughs) you make me feel like I am 10. Like you are (laughs) huge. So he'll play for South Carolina this weekend. Obviously his first ever college game, his first game as a Gamecock. So I don't think people are expecting this crazy breakout game, but I wouldn't be shocked if Nick Harbor has a really good game for South Carolina. His athletic ability is unmatched, and you heard it here. I think this guy will actually be in the Olympics someday running track for the United States of America.
0: Mm, mm. I I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, he is an absolute freak athlete. The thing that I've heard from a lot of people is they just really don't know how much he'll play because, I mean, it is – the thing is it's such a weird fit for him because he's big enough to wear – you would think okay he he can play tight end. I mean they they you know when he was coming out of high school some people thought he would play defensive end yep. but now they're playing him at wide receiver because he's just that athletic. Look, if and I'm hoping that this year is different. If this was last year's Tar Heel defense you could roll him out and I'd say he's probably going to have 150 yards receiving. Like well, I was talking about was that earlier
1: today. I'm like the North Carolina defense last year, we'll see what this year is like but if we're able to get going on the offense, I'm feeling pretty good about this.
0: Yeah, well, th- and that's that's the big concern for for Toriel fans, I think, is hopefully this offense doesn't get rolling. Um, but, you know, wh- I, I think, you know, another guy that's coming in, you know, sticking with the uh, receivers, and I, I'll say we're going to move on eventually here, but one of the guys that I think, you know, Carolina fans are looking at because when we played back in 2021 – we saw that Jaheim, Bill, Jaheim Bell was the guy that really hurt the Tar Heels in the middle of the field. Trey Knox, I, he's a guy that, you know, his stats at Arkansas may not blow a lot of people away, but have you been hearing say I've heard a lot of people that really think he can make a big impact, especially early in the season for South Carolina, coming with who was his tight ends coach last year, Dow Loggins.
1: Yeah, he's gotten glowing reviews from a lot of the guys at South Carolina. I think Spencer mentioned him a few weeks ago as one of the guys who's come in as a transfer and really impressed him. So that's good. He's big guy, athletic. He did really good stuff. At Arkansas and you know we expect the same here at South Carolina I know he was a little bit banged up during preseason camp but he is expected to play this weekend per Shane Beamer so Gamecock fans don't have really much to worry about in that regard but I do know that you know he was in and out of camp a little bit because of some injuries so that would be the one concern there but when you talk about transfers that came in to South Carolina he was a name that was constantly being brought up and brought up and brought up by coaches, by staff members, by team members who were like, yeah, Trey Knox is the real deal. He's come in and he's really shown his stuff.
0: Well, let's talk about the area of concern. Cause you know, there are, believe it or not, there are areas of concern. If I was doing the, we were doing the reverse here, a lot of the same stuff uh, that we just talked about, I'd be glowing, you know, about with the Tar Heels but let's go into the trenches really on both sides. You know, the offensive line for you guys last year struggled. I remember, you know, talking to, uh, you know, a couple Gamecock fans that, that, uh, listened to the station and they were saying, look, our, our offensive line just doesn't have it. Very similar to what the, the issues that the Tar Heels had. And then on the defensive line, I feel like it's, it's also very similar to the Tar Heels and the fact that there is a lot of talent there, but the guys just haven't broke out, you know, how do you feel about that group going into Saturday and really just into the year in general, uh, you know, in, in on both sides of the ball?
1: Offensive line, it's always going to stress me out. Like I always say this, the offensive line is the most underappreciated position group in football because they're never going to get complimented if something goes well, but they're always going to get blamed if something goes bad. So I want to start off by saying that because I am grateful to the O-line for all that they do, but I still
0: am. I love it.
1: Yeah. We got to love them before we get into it, but (laughs) I am a little worried. I know that heading into this last week of preseason camp, there were some question marks as to who was going to play, what position specifically offensive tackle. In my opinion, I think that's kind of a good thing because Shane Beamer was saying, yeah, we have a couple guys at each position and they're still fighting it out. And, they're still competing to get that starting spot. So I'm like, okay, well, that's already better than last year because at least we have some guys that you know are putting up the fight to get the starting spot. And you have a couple options there. So offensive line, we'll see how it goes. New O-line coach this year with Lonnie Teasley and the Gamecocks. So interested to see, I don't. I haven't heard anything bad per se. I think most of the people that I've talked to have actually said it's gone a little better so far this year for the O-line than last year. So we'll take an improvement, but I'm not expecting them to be anything crazy. You know, we'll see how it goes. And then in terms of the defensive line, last year they were okay. I think kind of expecting similar this year. You've got some guys returning, some new guys. South Carolina's defense every year has been decent. And I think this year it is our point of concern, if you will, but that's because you have a guy like Spencer Rattler. You have a guy like Juice Wells on your offense. Defensively, we've hung in there pretty much every year, but against a team like North Carolina, it is very concerning because you have to contain Drake May, and that is a very, very tall task for the first week of the season.
0: Well, the other area, the the area that South Carolina really struggled a year ago was in run defense. Yes. What do you think about that group this year? You know, because Carolina, I—that's I, one thing. I think the Tar Heels have to do. They have to run the football in this game because I think there is concern about our offensive line as well in pass protection. So, what about that run defense? Is—is is there confidence? Do you feel confident that they can take a step forward this year?
1: I, yeah. know, I. That's now. <laughs> we'll see we'll see <laughs> I I worry about it of course you know I see mm-hmm. on our depth chart young guys like you're talking about you know our middle linebacker Stone Blanton is going to get the start he's a sophomore okay his mm-hmm. backup is Grayson Pop Howard who's a freshman so you've got that we have a, a young defense you're going to see a lot of young guys out there for South Carolina Nicky Manwari, who has been fantastic for South Carolina? He was great last year. You know, he's a young guy. Um, but we do get some guys back. Jordan Strawn is back. We talk about like those seven year seniors. Uh, Jordan Strawn's an outside linebacker. He's been at South Carolina for like six years. I don't know if that's the exact <laughs> number, but somewhere along those lines. So he got hurt last year. That was a huge blow to South Carolina. He basically didn't play the entire season. So we're getting him back. Like we're getting pieces back. We have some really good young talent. So there's that, but I think it's one of those things that you're not going to really know until you see them play. Like you hear about these young guys, you hear about how good they are, but it's like, okay, let's see how it goes when you're up against the Tar Heels. So I don't have a definitive answer to the question. There are guys on the defense that I'm very excited about, guys that I think are really good and we're getting some guys back from last year that were very productive players, but we'll have to see how it goes in terms of the run defense, because it wasn't good last year and and certainly a struggle for South Carolina that needs to be improved.
0: Well, in past defense, I think the biggest question that many people have is, you know, South Carolina lost their two starting corners from a year ago, Cam Smith and Darius Rush. What what do you think about the guys that are replacing them? There is that a group that you think that or can hold up on Saturday, or is that a group that maybe the Tar Heels can get after a little bit, especially if if they can settle in early?
1: I think O'Donnell Fortune, who's a cornerback for South Carolina, he had. I mean, he played last year. Like This is a guy that you know played in the bowl game took some really, really good snaps, you know, had some really, really good moments. So I feel confident in him, Nick Emanwari, another guy that I just brought up recently. He's been a freak for South Carolina. I mean, he came in last year because of an injury during the Georgia game, I think. And he started basically every single snap after that for the rest of the season. He was partially responsible for South Carolina beating Clemson because he just, ran down the field like a gazelle and tackled Will Shipley. So he didn't break away for a touchdown. So yeah, it's more fun when Will Shipley, by the way, is on your team versus playing against you. Uh, Will played for Weddington, (laughs) which is where I went to high school in Charlotte. So Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith as well. Um, those two guys, you know, they're sophomores this year, but they took a lot of really meaningful snaps, played a lot of meaningful games last year. Um, So I feel pretty good about the past defense this year. You're getting some guys back. Of course, some of them are a little bit younger, but they've put on weight in the off season. They've had a year, you know, with the Gamecocks. So I think this year is just an opportunity for them to continue to improve and to continue to grow.
0: One of the areas that people have talked about a lot this off season and and for South Carolina uh, that they think might be the best in the entire country. They were up there a year ago is the special teams. Uh, Mack Brown was asked about this the other day and he said, look, uh, the Tar Heels are going to have to prepare for, you know, South Carolina to throw uh, a few different things at them on special teams what do you think Tarheel fans should expect? Is 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 there going to be you know is is Beamer ball? Is that something that we should expect to see on Saturday night and and possibly multiple times?
1: Yeah, I would expect to see it. I had a dream actually about this last night. This is so funny. I had a dream that South Carolina did a fake punt against UNC. So I don't know if that's going oh, to happen. But
0: did they South, convert it?
1: Yes, South Carolina center ah! Kai Kroger has like the best completion percentage of any quarterback in quotation marks Um, in the country. I think he's got a hundred percent pass completion percentage, which is hysterical because every time South Carolina has done something from the Beamer ball book and our punter has to throw the ball, he completes it. So Pete Limbo is a genius. I love Pete Limbo. Great guy. He's our special teams coordinator at South Carolina, also the associate head coach. He's going to have some tricks up his sleeve, especially that first game of the year. You cannot mess around. You've got to take points wherever you can get them. And South Carolina is notorious for doing that with special teams. So, yes, I would expect something to come the Tar Heels way on Saturday. I don't know what it's going to be. Every time they did it last year, it was something different. Like, you're not going to see the same things from South Carolina. And if they get a look that they like, if UNC's lining up a certain way that they like and they can make it happen, they're going to make it happen. Last year against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, in the first half, South Carolina scored on offense, defense, and special teams. I don't know how many times that happened for a team in the country throughout the college football season, but I would guess not many.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. And let's let's hope that doesn't come to fruition on Saturday night. <laughs> no, night
1: let's night. hope. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's cross our fingers I, for that I, one.
0: I will say, though, I am hoping that your next dream here in the next couple of days is Drake May throwing a touchdown pass at some point. That would, that would be lovely. Um, that, is that would hilarious. not be a
1: dream. That would be a nightmare.
0: You mentioned that the, the opener back in 2019 – that was your first, uh, your first game that you got to cover. Well, it was the first game of a guy that was—he uh, wasn't your direct classmate. He went to Sun Valley High School, which, if people don't know, I mean, is like fifteen minutes away from from Weddington High School in the area. So you guys knew each other very well. So uh, that's that's got. I mean, that was cool. I, how about you know for, with him real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you I'll let you go here. Um, How cool is it to see him, by the way, being the starter for Washington, like all this stuff. I, we, I don't know if you saw the quote a couple days ago of Ron Rivera saying they just didn't know how good he was. And it's like, dude, we knew that we could have told you that.
1: I feel like that's been his whole life. Like, I feel like people have always underestimated Sam Howell. Even though UNC fans know he's really good because you've seen what he was able to do at the college level, I still feel like people would be like, "Oh, he's six one." You know, even in high school, people would say all the time, "Yeah, he's really good in high school, but he's not going to pan out in college." People in college would be like, "Oh, he's good in college, he's not going to pan out in the NFL." He goes to the NFL and now he's got the starting spot for the Commanders. It doesn't surprise me. I'm really super proud of him. Sam deserves it. He deserves all the great things that are coming his way. He's always been such a good guy, the same kind of guy. Like I've been around a lot of former classmates, former, you know, friends that I went to high school with. And, you know, some of them have achieved a lot of success at, you know, various colleges and playing different sports. And some of them, it's unfortunate, will change like a lot when, they get that success and they taste kind of that fame and and they're not necessarily that same person. I feel like Sam, every time I've seen him and given, I haven't seen him in a while, he has always been, you know, really great. Like he, you know, gave me a hug when we were going off the field in, in 2019. And he was like, so good to see you, whatever. And I just, I think that's so nice because it's like, you know, he still acknowledges you as a person and as a friend, even though he's crushing it and famous and, is doing such an amazing job. So I'm super happy for him. I'm not surprised. I feel like he has always been underestimated, though. And he has rose to the occasion and exceeded expectations every single time. And I expect him to do do the same with the commanders.
0: Well, he's you know what? He's acting like you, though, because you have become uh, very famous as well. And you've uh, stayed the same person this entire time. And that's why uh, you came on with us today because d- normally i've I've had I've had a few people I'm I've, I remember from high school I've had a few people that I've lost touch with but uh no seriously you're doing great stuff down there uh, especially you know on the Gamecock side of things and uh, your knowledge of the gamecocks is is just amazing um and that's why I wanted to have you on uh you know I know it's gonna be so cool that you get to cover them again. This season, uh, you know, in some capacity, especially, you know, being out there for this game in Charlotte on Saturday night. It's going to be a great matchup. Both fan bases are going to be pumped up. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Kendall, and uh, helping us preview the South Carolina side of things. Uh, uh, you did a great job getting us ready. And uh, now we know the opponent that we're going to have to face.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Anthony. Everyone enjoy the game, drive safe, be safe, have a blast. College football is back, so we should all be thrilled about that.
0: All right, awesome. Uh, Thanks so much, Kendall. We'll talk again soon, okay? Thank you. All right, so we want to thank Kendall for stopping by with us. Uh, Guys, you know, if you have Gamecock folks that uh, you're friends with, make sure that they're checking out Gamecock Central, but uh, always appreciate her stopping by with us. Let's talk about the Tar Heel side of things, though, here, because we've talked a lot about the team that Carolina is going to play. So let's focus a little bit of, on the Tar Heels and, and their storylines. We're not going to talk about Tez Walker because we know. We've, we've talked that one out. We already know. We've laid out the scenarios for you on previous podcasts of what they have to do if they don't have him out there, who is going to be uh, the guys that are going to step up for him. The one that I think is – Maybe a bigger concern for the team coming into this game right now is the health of that defen- that defensive backfield, and really the defense as a whole. Now, I saw this yesterday. I don't know how much stock you can put into this. There was somebody who is an avid Tar Heel fan, seems pretty tied into the message boards, that said yesterday that they saw something about Power Eccles possibly tweaking a hamstring. I don't know if that's true. I have no idea. I haven't seen any of the major outlets that have confirmed that. So at this time, if you have seen that, I would say probably not something to worry about. If it was, if that was something that happened, if it was that serious, you would probably see something on one of the Inside Carolina message boards, Tar Heel Illustrated message boards. You would see it somewhere at this point. So I think that's one that you can sort of just kind of pass off and say – all right, take that one with a grain of salt. The defensive backfield, we've talked about this. The defensive backfield is a legitimate concern. Mac Brown said on Monday when he was going through the depth chart, Stick Lane is going to play for Carolina. That's big. He's a guy that's versatile. He can play at safety. He played nickel when he was at Georgia State. I know they don't list him uh, there on the first official depth chart, but it really feels like that's a guy that, Carolina, if they need to use him in multiple spots, they will be willing to do that. The concern is really the other guys in that room. DeAndre Boykins wasn't great a year ago. There's no doubt about that. He's got to be better this year. But he was one of your leading tacklers. He was fourth on the team in uh, in ta- total tackles. We've talked about how Mac Brown not only wants to run the ball well for Carolina, but also wants to stop the run a lot better this year. He could go a long way towards helping that. And the guy that's backing him up, DJ Jones, is a guy that is a converted running back. He was playing safety in the spring. He just started focusing on playing nickel in the fall. So you're asking a lot from a guy that has had a steep learning curve this offseason. And then you look at guys like Will Hardy, who's been banged up. He has missed all of fall camp and the majority, as I, as far as I know, of practice leading up to this game. Is he going to be able to be out there and be effective if Carolina wants to rotate somebody in? Don Chapman, that's a guy that's expected to start for you right now. Adam Smith asked a question to Charlton Warren late last week about Don Chapman. Uh, Said that he was in a red non-contact jersey in the last scrimmage that Carolina had before they started uh, getting prepped for South Carolina. Don't really know if there's anything that's amassed out of that, but certainly that's not something that you want to hear from that room. And then, of course, you've got legend Cavazos, who's out uh, four to six weeks uh, at the time when they revealed that timetable. It's probably more about three to five at this point that room is probably the biggest concern and i think that the health th- this defense has to stay healthy for the you know the majority of this year but in this game against south carolina for your defensive backfield to be as banged up as it is against a team that we know is going to want to throw the football a ton it's definitely not helping the concerns that people have with Carolina heading into
2: this game, well, the the bigger thing that it does it just it, it just adds more pressure to a defensive line group that, you know, a, a lot of the burden of this defense taking the step forward relies on them because Carolina's got the linebacking duo, got maybe the second best linebacking duo in the conference right behind what what Clemson has and Power Echols and Cedric Gray. I think overall, and, and and from the cornerback position, you like the talent, you like the depth that. That does exist in that room, but you know, look the the the, the best the best pat or the best way to, to to make your secondary look good is to have a good pass rush, something Carolina hasn't had in, in quite some time, and so um, it's definitely a concern. Um, but no one's going to feel sorry for them because you know football is a game of attrition, and unfortunately in that sport it starts while you're you're trying to get ready for the year, and so you know hopefully Carolina can be as as healthy as they can be. Uh, going into Saturday night, and more importantly, we hope that guys like Kamen Rucker, Javari Ritzy, Desmond Evans, they make the type of impact plays they are capable of to help keep what could be a very maligned and injury-riddled secondary afloat on Saturday. On the offensive side of the
0: ball, I think the biggest thing that you look at and, and you're wondering heading into this game is can they put last year the finish that they had to the season behind them? under a new offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsey. I, I mean, it's it's crucial. They did not finish the year well at all. I know the bowl game was a lot better than the previous three games in terms of their offensive performance, but it was still far from what they had seen earlier in the year. Chip Lindsey, he's got a tough task, coming in and taking over for a guy in Phil Longo who, yeah, as you said, look, there are some beefs that we had. With him, there are some issues that, you know, some areas that we thought he would be uh, better in, especially after that 2020 season. We thought he'd run the ball a lot more. But uh, I, I think, you know, for him, his thing has to be trying to build off of what Carolina had here before. Does that mean that the offense has to put up the same exact numbers that they put up under Phil Longo? No, because you're hoping that your defense is better. But you're hoping that he can be a more efficient offense and that he can, you know, not only put some of the struggles that Carolina had to move the football late last year in games, but also the issue that cropped up many times when Carolina did move the football down the field, the red zone issues that plagued Phil Longo his entire time when he was in Chapel Hill.
2: I mean, I think that's going to be the thing is that I, I, is Carolina's offense going to be as dynamic and explosive as it has been in years past, that answer might be no. But that doesn't mean they can't be more effective and be more efficient. You know, Carolina, it, they they had to score quickly because, well, they, they, they kind of play from behind a little bit. And Phil Longo called the game plan as if he was chasing 50 points because that's what he felt like he had to do. And Carolina had the offensive personnel – to do that, you know, I think Carolina is going to be a little bit more run oriented. They're going to be a little bit more balanced, um, and, and that's not a bad thing. Look, I think we're comfortable with Drake May throwing the ball thirty times a game, but when you're throwing the ball forty times and up, you know that there's it's just more, more more chances for something to go wrong. And so, um, you know, I, I think we're going to really find out how comfortable Drake May is in this offense, and, and really, you know, for Chip Lindsey, this, this this is a reclamation project for him. This was a coveted job, and you're getting to coach the second-best quarterback in the country, and Mac Brown's entrusting you with with, uh, with that responsibility to get the most out of them. And so I, I think you're going to see an offense that's going to be motivated to put the, the, the troubles from the last four games uh, behind them, and these young guys that I think are talented enough, we're going to find out if they're ready to, to be big-time playmakers at the college level because Saturday night will be a, a chance for them to play uh, under the lights in a big stadium to make the types of plays they're going to need to make all season long if Caroline's going to be without Tez Walker for the foreseeable future.
0: The run game is going to be a big part of this game on both sides of the ball because as we've heard, Mac Brown is hammering that home. He wants this run game to be better. He said it when he was on the Gramlich and McLean podcast. He said, look, we have wanted to run the ball the last few years. We haven't been able to do it at a high level. We wanted to stop the run the last few years. We haven't been able to do it at a high level. This year, we have no choice but to do that. And I think in this game, it, that mantra is something that, I mean, it's it's going to go year long, but it, it it especially fits this game. We talked about the struggles that South Carolina has had with their run game Last year when they had more talented guys back there, and now this year when they're trying to just kind of piece things together. Uh, So Carolina's defense has to be, you know, they have to limit some of those big runs on first down and find a way to put South Carolina into second and third and long. And then for Carolina on the offensive side of the ball – Talked about Chip Lindsey. He's got to be able to run the football in this game. Carolina, if they want to win this football game, I think they are going to have to run the ball at a high level. You've got the running backs to do it in that room. So I think this is going to be a game that's going to prove whether or not they really are a team that is going to be able to run the football and stop the run better than they did a year
2: ago. You're going to hear this during the, the game day coverage and then during the game. Whoever wins the line of scrimmage is going to win the game. Um, and look, with Carolina's backfield you and, and, and South Carolina's inability to stop the run a year ago, you should feel that like Carolina should be able to run the ball rather effectively. There are questions on South Carolina's side of their ability to run the ball, but they're going up against a defense that, you know, have 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 gone into situations against bad or unproven backfields, and they got ran all over. And and, and so I, I think you're going to see um, a concerted effort from Chip Lindsey to establish the run early on. And I think South Carolina, as as explosive as Spencer Rattler's arm can be, I think they're going to find out if Carolina can stop the run themselves. And so I think you're going to. I think it's going to be a feeling out process, but ultimately. Which team is winning at the line of scrimmage in the fourth quarter will come away from this game victorious? Well, the other thing about the Tar Heel defense is look, last year, end of the
0: year, especially at the end of conference play, you know, Carolina really did start to sort of round into form a little bit defensively. They still had moments. Where, you know, when there were sudden changes, they weren't really able to deal with it. But they look to build off of some of those things that the staff saw from them a year ago and really take that next step. And that's the other thing. I think this Tar Heel defense has to prove that when some little thing goes wrong, they don't immediately collapse. You know, the final two games of the regular season, the ACC championship game, what we saw in all three of those games was a sudden change in quarterback that sort of threw Carolina off. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that they have to be able to adjust to because South Carolina did it to them in the game back in 2021 in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. I don't think they're going to do something like that in this game. I think Spencer Radler's is going to be your guy. But you go back to the bowl game against Oregon and remember, the Tar Heels secondary, they – looked pretty good for the majority of that game. All of a sudden, Legend Cavazos commits that pass interference penalty and it completely turned the bowl game. I think South or, or the Tar Heels defense has to prove that their mentality is a little bit different this year and that they don't get thrown off by the littlest things if they're wanting to take the next step, and that has to start against the Gamecocks on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you have listed here looking to build off a solid finish to last year. Solid might be a stretch given that you lost to backup quarterbacks at home the final two games of the regular season. Uh, We saw what happened to that defense in the ACC championship game. I thought they competed at a really high level, though, against Oregon in the bowl game and you know, you're right. I think it's something that, you know, sudden change happens, situational football happens where look at some point Drake May's gonna throw a pick. You're gonna you're gonna turn the ball over. it's part of the game. But that doesn't mean you have to give up a touchdown. And it feels like whenever something would go wrong for Carolina offensively, the defense wouldn't be able to respond. Or if they'd commit a penalty, that would just be a downward spiral they can never get their Get their uh, their their heads back in the game. I I think that the biggest thing is just comes down to being mentally tough and and, and be and understanding that like look, mistakes are going to happen. This is the first week. You don't get a preseason like you do in the NFL, so you're going to make mistakes. It's part of the game. It's it it's why you know you you it's why you see teams afraid to play these types of games, is because they know they're not going to be at their best and the losses still count at the end of the day. And so, as long as they can understand that. You know, one mistake is going to cost them the game. I I I feel, I feel confident enough that Carolina's defense is going to play good enough to give Carolina a chance, and that's something that we asked for in the opener in 2019 when Sam Howell was making his first start. Was, hey, get this guy into the fourth quarter. We feel confident. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that uh two years ago at at Virginia Tech. The offense was the was the the, the unit that failed them. As bad as that defense would turn out to be in that moment, you know, we, we win in that game. If, if the defense has this team in a position to win in the fourth quarter, you feel confident ultimately they get it done. If the defense has Carolina in, the, in a position going into the fourth quarter for Drake May to win the game, you're going to feel confident. And, and, and I think that'll prove out to be the case on Saturday. All right, let's get to our keys to the game
0: for Carolina. Normally it's three, but – I made this one four, and I think the first key to the game is is what we've talked about uh, here during this podcast for Carolina on the offensive side of the ball. You have to stick with the run. Phil Longo, especially the last two years, there's been times where he's gone away from it almost completely, and I get it. You've got talented quarterbacks that you trust, but the thing is is that, hey, the, the run game ends up showing up at times because your quarterback is scrambling for his life. This offensive line is is so much better in run blocking than it is in pass protection. You've got the help of those tight ends as well who have proven that they are good run blockers. I think this backfield for Carolina can handle being the being what gets leaned on a little bit in this game. It doesn't mean that you have to take Drake May out of the game Open your passing game up with your running game. If Carolina runs the football well in this game, and if they can get somewhere near 200 yards in this game, I think Carolina wins this football
2: game. Yeah, I mean, look, the the three of the four keys, they pretty much all go hand in hand. We have stick with the run, get pressures on on Radler, and win the trenches. The way Carolina sticks with the run is if they establish the run. Um, if Carolina is running out of the gate for three to four yards a carry, it's gonna make it easier for Chip Lindsey to keep calling run plays because the deeper the the game goes, those gains become five, six, seven, eight yard gains. Hopefully you hit the home run. If Carolina's getting, you know, negative yards or only getting, you know, one or two yards in the running game, you know, there, there's always going to be that temptation to want to throw the ball with Drake May because he's just gifted. And, you know, you feel pretty confident when the ball is in his hands to make the right decision. And, and so if Carolina can can do that offensively and then defensively, the thing about Rattler is as much, as, as much fun as he is, there was a reason why he got benched and replaced at Oklahoma. And if you go back and look at that year, it's because he was turnover prone. I mean, the guy could not go a game without throwing interceptions, and so there's a track record where, if you get him off a rhythm, out of rhythm, and and you and you get him with happy feet back there, he's gonna try a couple throws that he's not capable of making, and that leads to turnovers, and then that could be something that 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 that, that could really turn the game uh, Carolina's way. And so if they can if they can establish the run early, I trust Chip Lindsey to want to run the ball. Uh, more consistently than Phil Longo did, and then defensively, if you get if you get to Spencer Rattler, there's there's a track record that proves hey he's gonna he's gonna he, he he's turnover prone he's gonna make mistakes and it, and it'll give your defense a chance to make some game changing plays.
0: Yeah, that's second key you get pressure on on Rattler. Right? It's as you said, he he's a guy that's shown he can be erratic at times. He's got that gunslinger mentality, and especially you know we've said it a couple of times here he is going to feel he he's honestly he's going to be in a very similar position to what we've seen from Sam Howell in 2021 and Drake May in 2022 with the Tar Heels where it's pretty much on him they do not have a run game that they can trust maybe that develops as the season goes along but coming into this game they don't really feel like that is there. Their offensive line still has question marks. So he's going to feel like there is a lot on his plate. That's the other, you know, with the, with the offensive line question marks that the Gamecocks have. You know, Carolina's defensive front, they can take advantage of that. This is not the toughest group that you're going to go up against. And look, you, you should be playing with the chip on your shoulder. As much as any group on this team this year this defensive front should be angry. They they should be ready to go in this game because, I mean, look, everybody has been talking about how bad these guys have been developed in this room. Well, it's time for them to show that, hey, we just, you know, the last couple of years haven't been great, but we're putting that behind us and we're ready to go. I think this is their chance against, you know, a South Carolina team that's going to want to drop back and throw the ball a ton. You mentioned Kamen Rucker earlier on. They're going to rotate in Amari Gaynor as well. I think he's a guy that can have a big impact. You want to see, you know, Miles Murphy get back to rushing the passer the way he did out of the defensive tackle spot back in 2021. And maybe Javari Ritzy takes that step. Same thing with Dez Evans. You're hoping he can sort of build off of a camp for the first time since he's been at Carolina. So I, I think Carolina's they've got some guys that they're hopeful about. Now it's about proving you can actually get pressure on a really good quarterback in this game. Uh the the other thing that Carolina has got to be ready for in this game when it comes to South Carolina is not only, you know what they've get what what they're going to see from Spencer Rattler in this offense, but they got to be ready for some trick plays on special teams. This is a signature thing of Shane Beamer and Phil uh, or Pete Lembos Uh, special teams unit. They have done this the last few years. Uh, They've they've been very heavy with this. Um, And and last year, especially towards the end of the year, this was one of the things that they leaned on. They ran it in the bowl game, and it worked out. South Carolina is a, a team that will find ways to win games in multiple ways. If you're Carolina, you cannot let special teams be a way that they score on you and you cannot let special teams be what beats you in this game because in a game that's as closely matched with these two sides that have very similar issues on the offensive and defensive side of the ball matching up against each other – that could be the difference in this game, and you know Shane Beamer's crew is going to be ready on that uh, in that area.
2: You know, I, I, I've talked about you know Carolina going good to great. You got to be good in the special teams department. Well, for a team like South Carolina, that you know a, a, a really good to great year with their conference and their schedule is an eight and four type of year. You know, they they make game changing plays in in this area of the game and. You know, this has gotta be something where Carolina's gotta get better at you know be you know not 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 missing field goals, not missing important kicks, but understanding that there's probably gonna be a wrinkle or two for Shane beamer um this has been uh, you know he, it was a trademark of of his dad when his dad built a a respectable program in Blacksburg. Um, and it's something that Shane Beamer, who is still establishing himself and still garnering the respect as a as a head coach around college football in his third year in Columbia, this is gonna be something that his team is going to be prepared for. And they're 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 gonna be ready for a player or two that, that might be able to turn the game. And so Carolina's gotta go into this game as fully prepared for any team in the special teams area as any team that they'll play all year long. Like every team, uh, you know it's it's a real big point of emphasis for every team. But there are some teams that emphasize special teams more than other. That will be South Carolina, and so they need to be prepared for something that the Gamecocks might throw at them. And then finally, we get to the one that you talked about, and this is win
0: the trenches. We talked about what they have to do on the defensive side of the ball. It also comes down to when you stop the run, you got to have guys that can win on rundowns. There are some guys that we like in that area, but. There's still guys that struggled there a year ago that have to be better. Offensively, I mean, this offensive line, you just just find a way to just, I mean, win the majority of the reps in this game. It doesn't, I mean, it, majority isn't even, I think, the way you got to look at it. As long as you can basically split these reps 50-50 that you win and you don't, have your quarterback getting killed, I think you would call that a pretty successful night for an offensive line that I think we are all incredibly concerned about coming into this game.
2: Yep. Uh, you know, like I said, it we talked about this just a few minutes ago. Whichever team wins the Battle of the Trenches is going to win the game. And this is a great chance for both the offense and the defensive line to take a step. and 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 really shut me up and shut the critics up that this – you know that there's reason to be doubtful about what this unit can do on both sides of the ball because if you're pushing around SEC dudes uh, as an offensive line, you're not doing it by an accident. This isn't Vanderbilt, and if if you're getting pressure on an on an SEC offensive line, again, it's not by accident. It's not Vanderbilt, and so um, you know this was something that Mac Brown stressed four years ago when he came back for uh, the opener against South Carolina. Get the game into the fourth quarter; we will wear them down. Um, I think the game is set up for that once again this year to where you get the game into the fourth quarter. I think you like your chances to wear them down as the game moves along. And so now it's officially time to turn to our predictions. We'll
0: start with the first game of the season here, this game against South Carolina in Charlotte. The Tar Heels trying to exact a little bit of revenge, put that four-game losing streak from last season behind them. What do you see happening in this one?
2: I've really wrestled with this pick since we started getting ready for the year. Um, I think Carolina's got the better quarterback. I I don't know if Carolina today has the better head coach because I've been really impressed with what Shane Beamer um, has done so far in his two years in Columbia. I think there will be a different motivation for Carolina going into this game, especially with what happened on Monday, where you had a tragedy on campus. There'll be a different emotion that will exist in that locker room, um, because this will be a, a good chance for the Tar Heel community and those of the and those that were directly impacted by what happened on campus on Monday to kind of take a break from real life and, and just take a deep breath and, and understand that as hard as that was and it still is, that ultimately we as a community, we're going to pull uh, through this on the other side uh, in, in a positive way. And then ultimately this game means more to Carolina than it does to South Carolina. Because South Carolina's schedule is too difficult to envision them having a year where they compete for a conference championship and go to a New Year's Six bowl game and have their quarterback win a Heisman Trophy. All that stuff is very attainable for Carolina, especially if they win this game. The schedule sets up to where they could run out to a 9-1, and one, maybe even a 10-0 start going into that game at Clemson the second to last week of the regular season. And I think this team has been made aware of that, that they have an opportunity in front of them. And by God, we've wasted enough opportunities in my lifetime as a Tar Heel football fan. How refreshing would it be on the first Saturday of the year to have game day at our game, to play on national TV in primetime in the spotlight, to have our generational talent of a quarterback have that all be on display and come out victorious? I think that's what I think that's what's going to happen. I think Carolina controls the tempo of the game. I don't think it's a blowout by any margin, but I think when you get to the fourth quarter, you'll see which team is the best, which I think is the Tar Heels, and I think they come away victorious 31-20 to on Saturday night. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have
0: been in the position that we're into where they've wrestled back and forth with this game because both of these teams are just so – I mean, they're so evenly matched. They have the same strengths. They have the same weaknesses. I mean, literally, you break down the rosters and just about every area is almost exactly the same, maybe outside of the linebackers. So, I mean, this this is a South Carolina team. I mean, look, there's going to be a lot of motivation for them to build off of what they did last year. For Carolina, there's a ton of motivation to prove that last year was, you know, the, the, the final four games of the year wasn't representative of what this team actually is, that they were more like the team that won nine of their first ten games. You're not lying. The Tar Heels definitely have the quarterback advantage. I don't think that's a question. I think Drake May is a guy that's going to be in New York when the Heisman Trophy is given away. I don't think Spencer Radler is going to be there. Um, So I think, you know, offensively, Carolina may have a slight advantage. Defensively, there's reasons to be concerned, though, for Carolina. That defensive backfield is banged up, going up against a team that's going to want to throw the ball a ton. The defensive line has not proved anything to us over these last couple of years, but especially last year. And it's a lot of the same guys that are back this year. You're just hoping that, you know, new roles, adding a guy like Ted Monachino can really help. I said it earlier, I think that with how evenly matched this game is, I think that this game probably comes down to special teams. And I think South Carolina has a really good special teams unit. I think Carolina's is, is solid, but they still have some questions at kicker. I think South Carolina wins this game. Holy crap. In the first game of the season. Let
2: me get this straight. I am the... I I, I I mean, the homer of all homers is picking his team to lose. I, I mean, I just... To me, this is the
0: least confident I've been going into an opener. I, I almost felt more confident going into the game back in 2019 because there were just so much... There was so much unknown. And there is. There is, you know, this is a new offense. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But the momentum that they had... Bill that coming out of last season, I'm believing what people are saying about Spencer Radler that he's a guy that's that that looks more like what we expected him to look like coming out of high school as a five star player. I just think I think it's it's a bad matchup for Carolina in the first game of the year against a team that is going to be extremely hungry you you mentioned how tough their schedule is. they see this as an opportunity to get a big win. And I think one of the worst things that happened for Carolina was that they were ranked in this game and South Carolina was not. They're using that as bulletin board material. And the other thing is, is you look at Carolina's lack of success on these types of stages. They are 7-12 in games that have started after 6 o'clock since 2019. They're 10-15 and 15, uh, in games that are nationally televised, and they've won just five of their last 13. And South Carolina is a team that has given them trouble for a long, long time. They, are ju- they have won just two of their last nine games against the Gamecocks. I hate it, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that they prove me wrong. I've never wanted to be more wrong in my entire life than with this pick, but I just, to me, I think the Tar Heels lose this first game of the season. I just, I've tried to look at it and, and, and find a way that I see the Tar Heels winning this game, and maybe it's just on the back of Drake May. I think the biggest concern that I have is that there have been people that have told me this offensive line looks worse than it did last year, and if that's the case, then they are not winning this. They are not winning this game. There is no way they win this football game. Mm. So I, I mean, again, I hope I'm wrong. Really quickly on the way out here, your predictions for the season, record prediction. Uh, the last chance you have to get this in. What do you got them finishing?
2: I've got them going. Um, I've got them going nine and three. That's what I had them when I filled out my preseason ballot for the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a respected, dignified member of the media. I'm not. Uh, that's. Go- I mean, respected
0: is 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 questioned. Dignified.
2: Eh. I'm not going to back off um, that prediction as I sit here today. So I've got I've got them going nine and three and not making the ACC championship game. I have them going nine and three as well. I think they
0: finish six and two in conference. I think Carolina starts the year two and two. I think they lose the first game of the year to South Carolina. I think they lose to Pittsburgh. I think they go on a run because it sets up perfectly for them to go on a run. I think they beat Duke at home. I think they fall on the road to Clemson. and then I think they get a big win. On the road at NC State, but I'm with you. I think they probably come up short of that ACC championship game, which will be, you know, certainly a little bit of a disappointment. But I still think, look, if you go nine and three and you win your bowl game, that's still a a pretty successful season for Carolina. And I, I think, depending on what happens with Clemson and Florida State, it's 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 hard to argue that it isn't a good year regardless because those could be two teams that are battling until the end to make the college football playoff. So there's your look at, uh, the game against South Carolina. Also our predictions for the 2023 season for the Tar Heels. Make sure that you guys let us know what you think heading into this game against the Gamecocks and what you think is going to happen. Uh, I know I'm going to get blasted for my pick, but uh, we we want to hear from you guys, so uh, make sure you send those in. Make sure you head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Check out the in-depth preview that we'll have for you guys up there, breaking down the game after the game is over, a recap uh, where I'll give you my biggest takeaways from uh, whatever happens on Saturday night. And then we will have the stock report that will be back this year for you guys to check out. And shortly after that, Mac Brown will, of course, talk to the media on Monday as they in Carolina will get set for their home opener against the App State Mountaineers. And we'll have you covered throughout the entire season over on the website. Uh, Also, before you dive fully into game mode, make sure you check out our breakout candidates for this season. You can go back and check out our bold predictions for this year on the last edition of the podcast. Uh, We just kind of ran out of time. There's not going to be enough time to write that article, uh, but we do encourage you to listen to the podcast and, of course, let us know your bold predictions and breakout candidates as well. And, uh, you know, we, we also have, you know, some stuff up there. Uh, we'll be updating the latest on the Tez Walker situation, on the injuries, if there's any news that comes out about that. I think the injuries were, were pretty set. I think everybody that's kind of questionable is questionable. Uh, I also think, you know, with the Tez Walker situation, I think tomorrow's probably our best chance. If we don't find out anything on, on Friday, I think it's probably over. So uh, let's, uh, you know, all, all sit here and, uh, you know, Maybe maybe send up a prayer or two and hope that this thing gets resolved. Yeah, um, uh, you know one other thing I did want to say before we get out of here: still sending our thoughts and prayers to everybody that was affected by the on-campus shooting earlier this week. Uh, so uh, it's definitely a, a tough time and and one of those times that uh, really is unprecedented uh, in, in Chapel Hill's history. Um, but it's been great to see the way that the community has rallied around them. And uh, again, if you're somebody that was affected by it, need to seek, you know, help through a mental health professional, definitely do that. It's understandable that you're, you're, you're going through some things right now, that you're struggling a little bit because of, of something like that. So uh, we, we continue to send our thoughts and prayers uh, to anybody around the campus uh, that is going through that kind of stuff. So. That wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh Marlowe for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.